This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God. All right, guys, we're back with the podcast, and we're going through J.I. Packer's Knowing God, and we're talking today about chapter 12. The chapter is called The Love of God. Excited to discuss this with us as we continue just to, to go through this book together. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was reading this chapter was that for many students and for many people who um, follow Christ, they struggle to to see God as loving at times. And I, I was curious why you guys maybe thought that this this idea of God as love is, is so challenging. Yeah, I, I think it's so challenging because the idea that the culture gives of love is different than what God says love is. So the culture will say, like, love is acceptance. Love is um, to agree with my actions or, um, you know, love can change or love can, you know, feel different on different days. And that's just not the, Mm -hmm. like, object of God's love. His love doesn't change, whereas ours can be very flippant or it's about acceptance of sin. Like, if you love me, then... You know, yeah, you, you wouldn't, yeah, you'll overlook or you wouldn't disagree with this in my life. Yeah, that's spot on. I was thinking of the word tolerance, like mm-hmm. the world, the world tells us if, if you really loved this person or this group of people, people who fall in this category, then you will be tolerant of their behavior and their choices. And, and we just know that as Christians, that that's not the case, like to love someone comes with truth as well and that truth we find in in scripture and so i think it it is really um you know it's kind of an emotional thing because especially for people pleasers and those like we we are concerned because we want people to like us and we want to be loving and we want everyone to think that we're being loving all the time Mm -hmm. and there are just so many circumstances where we know that what we need to say or what we're going to say is not going to come off that way, that they are going to see it as actually the opposite. They're going to see it as unloving. And so it just takes a lot of explanation, mm-hmm. which can just be hard. It puts us on the spot. Yeah, I think a struggle that a lot of students over the years that I've worked with have had 
and in some ways I, I've experienced this as well as I think just we, li- we live in a broken world that is not the way it should be because of sin, our sin and others. And w- we come into a relationship with Christ and all of a sudden we're trying to make sense of everything and we're told that God is our father and you know we all have fathers who are sinful. I'm a father. I'm sinful. Mm -hmm. And so at different levels, we have different distortions of what that relationship with a father looks like. And I think that's, that's an example of, you know, maybe we don't associate our fathers with love, or maybe we transpose some of the things that we experienced with our earthly father on our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And to try to allow the Bible to fully reshape the way that we view that relationship can be challenging. I think another thing too is, I think a lot of times people have a hard time feeling like God is a loving God because he's not doing what they would do. And, you know, when we have natural disasters and we have disease and we're in a COVID-19 era and we're thinking, how is there a loving God in this happening? And because we're not humble, like the chapter we just went through with on wisdom, you know, we, we say, well, if God's loving, then he wouldn't let bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And we don't look to his word for clarity and we don't, I think that's a big, big hindrance for a lot of people to see God yeah. as, as loving. Um, yeah. And, I was also going to say like, they don't let the Bible inform their mm-hmm. idea of love or what is God's love. They're yeah. just, maybe they are a Christian, but they just haven't explored the word of God in its entirety and what that all says. Yeah. yeah. And just believing too, that we, the, the Bible God acknowledges evil in the world and sin in the world, brokenness, pain. Like the Bible is very clear about that. And then we see this loving God who we have this picture in Revelation 21 of what will be, not because of us, but because of his love and his grace and the significance of what we have in Christ. And in his wisdom, he's chosen for this to be so right now. And But it's not the end. And we see that full picture. And so I think for a lot of young believers, though, like just making sense of the, the trials and struggles mm-hmm. right now can cloud that vision of seeing God as loving, even though God has chosen to enter this broken world and provide himself to us and then also to provide eternity in a new heavens and new earth, I think is it, when you read chapters like this, it's helpful because it reminds you of that, you know, and that's an important part of who God is. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, um, he says he says something on, on page 119. He says, um, may you be strong to grasp with all God's people what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ and to know it, though it is beyond knowledge. What do you guys feel like it looks like to, what Packer's saying is uh, you, you can know it, you can grasp it, but you, it's, it's also beyond your full comprehension. That's how vast God's love is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like to careful to use illustrations, but it's like to look out on the ocean and to see as far as you can see and to yet know that there's more that you can't see. That's kind yeah. of what he's getting at. What does it look like for us to to grasp God's love? How does it change us? I think it really comes out um, in how we live. Um, I really love the picture of God's love and adoption and just like we've had many families in our church who've adopted you've adopted um and whenever i see that like i just think to myself what a picture of god's love like first love by christ adopted by him into god's family now we see the need to adopt those who you know come from 
difficult circumstances and have the opportunity to be adopted into a family that would allow them to thrive and um, really succeed in life and to have a home and to have someone to love them. Um, I think that really just that's like an outpouring that I, I've seen of this mm. idea of love. Yeah, that's that's a great um, picture, Hank. And I was really going there too. I was thinking that to grasp the love of God, well, first of all, we want to do that continually. We really want to um, not just be indifferent mm-hmm. about God's love to us, but but um, that we what it looks like to grasp it is that we love others very well. Like we love others. Um, it transforms our heart so that we are able to love everyone who God loves. And none of us do that perfectly, but to have that desire in our mm-hmm. heart and something that we strive toward, um, to see everyone as made in the image of God and worthy mm-hmm. of his love. So they are also worthy of our love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think that's, a great outworking of, you know, when we understand God, how great God's love is, we have a response in our life. And I think, too, that there's a lot of people, Hank, you preached in the Philippian series, and you preached famously that Paul said, you know, forgetting what lies behind me. And I think, too, there's a sense in which when we grasp God's love for us, we do feel a weight and a brokenness for, you know, a weight towards the sin that we've committed in our lives and the mistakes that we've made. But to know that we are loved by God in a way that is stronger than any love we've ever experienced mm-hmm. can allow us to, to be able just to, to see ourselves correctly, to see yeah. ourselves as an object of God's love. And I think that can be really hard for people who have in their life carried these decisions and mistakes and habits that they feel like they're unlovable. And I've had a lot of conversations with people over the years and at times felt this myself to feel unlovable because we know the the darkest, nastiest corners of our heart. And yet so does God. And he still loves us. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, it's, there's no surprises to him and motives that we have or things that we've thought or decisions we've made. So I think that's a a big shift or two for readers as they go through this book, just to think about this grand God who's all knowing, who's wise, who's all powerful. All these things that we're reading about is also the same God that chooses to place his love on us Mm -hmm. and to lavish us in his love. And, um, I, I love that the the breadth, length, height, depth of his love, um, in that you know that it makes an impact of us. He, he also says on the same page, one nineteen, when we looked at God's wisdom, we saw something of His mind. When we looked at His power, we saw something of His hand and His arm. When we consider His word, we we learn something about His mouth. But now, contemplating His love, we are to look at His heart. Um, I think sometimes as Christians, you know, we can kind of key in on just certain attributes or aspects of God and it form an unhealthy or, you know, an unholistic, a non-holistic view of him. Why do you guys feel like it's so important for us as we read a book that tries that Packer's trying to unpack all of this for us to have this clear, holistic view of what God's revealed? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think just knowing that even like us as humans, that every aspect of our life like informs and has consequences on, mm-hmm. on all the other aspects of our life. Like we are one human being, but we are made of many parts and characteristics and um, 
that you just can't let go of one or the other mm-hmm. without it affecting the whole. And as we learn more about God, I mean, I think I've even experienced this in in the book, and I've talked to y'all about it, how like I just feel like my brain is stretching. Mm-hmm. Like there is just so much to know about him and mm-hmm. to praise him for. And it's like overwhelming in a way, but also amazing to mm-hmm. kind of walk with Packer through this book and and walk with y'all mm-hmm. um, and and see how it all, like the, there is so much overlap mm-hmm. and, and it's it's beautiful and he is so majestic and um and it's been really awesome to to see mm. but i think like we can't just say well i need fill in the blank right now so god can be that for me like so i'm going to focus on his power or something mm-hmm. like that or yeah. his or his grace and so uh, like the wider we go it's like we mu- we must keep it all mm. and and study that together mm. Yeah, I think without thinking about God's love, we you can hear all those things about his, you know, his nature, and start to think he's cold, or you know, and distant, um, or like it, if you know you hear about uh, election, predestination from God, you think, well, that's like, oh, well, he's not giving people a choice. Well, there's actually so much love in what he did that he predestined mm-hmm. you before the foundations of the world, not looking. T- into the future to somehow see what your future actions would be if you would accept him, but instead, like, seeing fully that you were a sinner unwilling to repent. Mm-hmm. So he made the way for you before anything mm-hmm. was ever made. And it's in, like, truths like that that we begin to see, like, oh, wow, like, that's love. That's not, you know, that's not the cold shoulder mm-hmm. from the Lord. Like, that is a drastic love. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, and I think even back to Amanda's part, like in order to know what his love is, you have to also understand his power, and to understand his power, you can't understand why and how, and he's doing what he's doing through this huge story of redemption without understanding his heart. It's it's the desire to know God holistically. I think that you know should motivate the believer as they read books like this and read scripture to to try to. Um, to see how all those pieces connect to each other. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's important. And, you know, in, in a similar vein, you know, he talks in verse 120, he's talking about it's perverse to quote John's statement as to do uh, as if it called into question biblical witness to the severity of God's justice. And I think there's a tension often between justice and love because the idea, it's kind of back to what you said, Hank, is like love is acceptance or love is mm-hmm. to turn a, a blind eye to something, you know, to just kind of blindly accept whatever issues in front or f- just, you know, and I think that there's always this kind of tension I think that people wrestle with between the idea of justice and between grace and love. How do you guys feel like as we go through this book, we, we navigate that tension? Carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good. Well, it it really is, like we do talk about, you can't love, like, can't love someone without truth. And mm-hmm. we have to recognize God's love in conjunction with his justice mm-hmm. and because he is a holy God. Um, and it, it's kind of like once you get it, you get it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always make it easier to, like, share with someone. But... Um, I think the hope is like we just get more confident in talking about it. Um, But yeah, carefully because 
and also humbly because we recognize too that before we were saved, which we know is a gift of grace from God, that we were a sinner, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. condemned to death, um, deserving of God's wrath. And, you know, so, and whoever we are talking to who does not know God mm-hmm. um, and, it, and is not saved, like we really can only see ourselves as one step away from, from where they are. Like we... Um, can rejoice in our salvation, but also know that we didn't have any, like it it wasn't ours to, you know, it was a gift from God. Um, But then we can relate to them while they're still in their, you know, they're still walking in sin and living a life not for the Lord. So, you know, it's like we have compassion. Mm -hmm. I guess compassion is really the right word there. Mm Yeah, I agree with you. Carefully, humbly, not like weighing more on the side of God's justice more than his love because like one is not greater than the other. Mm-hmm. He is the same amount loving as he is. He's infinitely loving as he mm-hmm. is infinitely just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like not to lean to one side or the other, which I think is the tendency. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a camp of people that lean towards God's love and then mm-hmm. there's a camp of people that lean towards God's justice, but we we want to be careful and walk in the middle because they exist like in perfect union Mm -hmm. yeah and i think in some ways maybe the past year or two with lots of conversations about justice happening that there's maybe a shift happening culturally where it seemed to me like when i first began following christ you know about a little over 12 years ago that a lot of people really struggled to they kind of pitted justice that justice was always associated with cold stern just like a like a judge who's mm-hmm. you know and then love was always pitted as this kind of warm kind of you know overlooking attribute but that's not like we've talked about it's not what we see biblically of mm-hmm. what god's love is yeah. and biblically what justice is and a god who is not just is not loving and Justice is not the opposition of love. He He's just and he's loving. And I think that's important just for Christians to try to really just, I, you keyed in on it, um, Hank, just to not be shaped by the world. Like what Paul says in Romans 12, don't be conformed by the world. And, and we are conformed to think about love the way that the world tells us to think about love. And we're conformed to think about justice often as the world tells us to. And the Bible often tells yeah. us very different on both issues. So I think that's a great... Uh, kind of reminder as we read this to to do that. Um, another thing that that I, that I think is important for us to talk about is he talks about you know um, just to kind of dive in just a little bit deeper on this idea of of love is that it's not God's love is not divorced from moral standard and we've kind of been hitting at this, but you know God does not um, choose to love us and then just overlook, ignore, push away the fact that we so often rebel against him and the significance of, of us rebelling against him. And um, I think that that's just an important thing, too, to, for us, that as we understand more about God's love, we should actually care more about moral standard at the same time yeah. and not become apathetic to it. Do you guys feel like you know there's, there was a light bulb in your life that helped you s- realize that? I think kind of the, uh, you know, there's like the universalist movement that for God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Mm -hmm. that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but receive eternal life. And a lot of people will take that as, okay, well, 
like God so loved the whole world, so the whole world's going to mm-hmm. know God's love. But really, that's not it at all. Um, like, Jesus came for his sheep, for his church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you cannot just, you know, think that I'm good with God, I'm right with God, and I'll live any way that I want to. Chapter uh, 13 kind of gets into that mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but really, like, we cannot separate the love of God from the moral, like, teachings mm-hmm. of the Bible, and they're not just moral teachings for the sake of moral teachings, they're to help us to know God and to live in worship of Him, because that's how He rightly made us. But I think that was a point where I realized, like, okay, if we begin divorcing the Bible from the truth of the Word, mm-hmm. um, and, and the moral callings within it from our God, it creates, like, serious heresies yeah. that are causing a lot of people to think that they're just okay, and they'll be fine, but they're they're really not. Yeah, historically, that the the major one is antinomianism. Mm-hmm. Antinomianism. <laughs> this podcast is this just is a consistent thing of me mis- misspeaking. We'll take feedback. Um, but uh, but no, I mean um, antinomianism, which you know is kind of like what Paul references. Like, should I sin so that grace can abound all the more? Like, just because I'm loved and forgiven, can I just go and just reject moral standard? And I mean, it really is it to, to fail to respond to God's love appropriately is sin. I mean, that's yeah. it is sin. It's rebellion. And the same way that we wouldn't say, well, it'd be like if I was constantly cheating on my wife. And you said, Hunter, why are you cheating on your wife? Like, she's so faithful to you and loving to you. And I go, because well, she'll forgive me. And like, everybody would go, gross. Like, that's terrible, <laughs> yeah, right? It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. And, you know, I think that, you know, um, that that's what we have to understand too about like, you know, God has lavished his love on us in Christ, but he's called our life to be an appropriate response to that. And it doesn't free us up to sin. It actually frees us up from sin to be obedient to him and to live in a way that responds correctly. Um, Another thing he says here, I think just in thinking about like responding to the love of God and just seeing the love of God, he says uh, on verse 122, he says... Um, you keep saying verse. <laughs> page. Verse, page. Uh, it's been a long day. Um, on, on page 122, he, sa- it's, he says, God is love means that his love finds expression in everything that he says and does. It sounds like almost like a grandiose Hallmark card or something. <laughs> But it's true, like for the believer, like we should see his love everywhere around us. What are ways that you guys have seen seen God's love in maybe unexpected places? Yeah, I, I think this kind of ties back to your last question in that I couldn't think of like a moment where I could like make the connection and, and morality and mm-hmm. God's love. But kind of it was just something that happened over time where... I, I noticed like God shaping my desires and wanting to be obedient and like instead of trying to find like a loophole or like Dean always talks about trying to go around God, um, that it's like a change of heart that that, that happens and how the Holy Spirit works in you and shapes you. Um, but when to to hear of God, you know, expressing um, or sorry, to hear about like God's love finding expression and everything Mm -hmm. that he says and does. Um, I I think it does, it can take time to just see Mm -hmm. how, you know, like, um, and I don't want to say circumstances, but just Mm -hmm. you do like 
kind of in how we talked about a few chapters back how you know if we're if we're looking to God and giving him our life and following him that like a lot of our problems just kind of fall into place mm-hmm. and I and for me it's kind of been that and yeah. that also like um the the joy and um contentment that comes in knowing that God loves me mm-hmm. I, I'm a child of God yeah and I I just think too like practically like I mean just as a person, like I am very blessed. We, uh, who was it? Herschel York Hunter that said, like, when we were talking to him at the Jacksonville Pastors Conference, he said, I'm the me- most blessed man in this room. Yeah. But like, he really believed it. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't yeah. like, he wasn't joking at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he said, I'm the most blessed man in this room. Like, God has given me the, bo- the most blessed life. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, what an attitude of, like he was just so grateful for exactly what he'd been given. And I think we can realize a lot of the like love God has for us just in like the every day of our lives. Mm -hmm. Like I recently got married, Mm -hmm. you know, I experienced the love of God in my marriage and just Mm -hmm. the joy of finally being married to Emma, you know, and just like y'all have children and like Mm -hmm. God has been so loving to us to give us these good things. It's so good. Yeah. He, he says too, he he talked, he ties it to Romans 8, 28 and talking about God Mm -hmm. working all things to the good and you know i think too it's it's he's loving and there are circumstances that are hard and challenging and there's a season to mourn and Mm -hmm. there's but you can still see god's love in in all of that there was a movie oh it just just came to me there was a movie with will smith um like that was released years ago and they like pursuit of happiness no not pursuit of happiness it's uh it's um uh, collateral beauty, I think is what it's called. And they hire these three people to play love, death, and, you know, some, I can't remember the third thing, but there's this really dramatic scene where Will Smith is having this conversation with this person who's supposed to embody love. And he had lost a child and he's yelling at love and he's saying, where were you when I lost my kid? And where were you in this and this? And then love yells back to him is like, I was in it all. Like I was still there in it all. And I think for Christians, like to understand, you know, to, to kind of tie that to what we're trying to discuss here is that even in our most difficult challenges and even in the most trying times of our life and even in the most painful times of our life, God's love is still present. We don't always sense it, but he's there. And we can trust to tie it to Romans eight twenty eight that he is working it to our good and making us more like Jesus and helping us to grow in our relationship with him. And I think that's the challenge. The challenge is it's easy to see God's love in, you know, the, the face of your newborn child. Mm-hmm. And it's a significant, yeah. but learning how to be in the midst of a season where it's a lot harder and saying like my job, my desire right now is to see God's love played out here. I think that's um, a, a trust piece of just believing it's there. So I, I thought this was a great chapter. I'm excited just to continue through the book. Um, definitely make sure that, that you guys continue to read through it and we'll be with you in the next chapter. 